I remember my father buying me a go-kart for my 10th birthday. I was surprised to receive it, but was pretty excited to have the opportunity to drive around in it. I wanted to be like a NASCAR driver going super fast and doing donuts. And so after some safety instructions, my father showed me how to operate everything. Uh, I finally strapped myself into the go-kart. He cranked it up and I hit the gas pedal. And I did. I drove as fast as I could and was having a blast letting the wind blow through my hair. And where we lived at the time, I was driving around an old abandoned furniture uh, store. And so I had plenty of room to drive it and was driving around it in circles. And all of a sudden I noticed when I tried to ease off the gas that the gas pedal had gotten stuck. When I would ease off, it wouldn't slow down. It was going full throttle. Well, as you can imagine, this scared me a bit because I didn't know how to stop it. And so I began to yell out to my father to let him know that this thing is stuck. I can't stop it. And he was yelling at me and telling me to hit the kill switch. Apparently the kill switch was right below the steering wheel, but I didn't really know that because I didn't pay attention to that part when he was giving me the safety talk. Needless to say, I continued to drive around in big circles, going super fast, getting really close even to actually flipping the go-kart. And my father was trying to get close to me so that he could hit the kill switch, but I was going way too fast for him to be able to do it. Well, my, my dad's friend, Keith, happened to be there with us that day, and I happened to speed right by Keith. And in that moment, Keith reached out his hand and he grabbed the back of the go-kart, which had a little handle behind the engine, and he grabbed it with his arm and he held me up off the ground so that I wasn't moving. I was on the front wheels, but the go-kart itself continued to pull because it was drawing power. Keith held me right there, and I'll never forget looking back and seeing his arm. I could see every vein that was in his arm bulging like crazy. And then my father ran over and hit the kill switch on the go-kart, which stopped the engine. It was a scary moment for me, and truth be told, I think it was a scary moment for my dad as well. But I have never forgotten how Keith strong-armed that engine and how lucky he was that it didn't rip his arm completely out of socket. You see, it was his quick thinking and strong arm that kept me from getting seriously hurt. Today, as we continue our sermon series from Exodus, we discover a conversation between Moses and God that reminds us of God's mighty hand. Now, last week, we looked at Moses' call from God to go back to Egypt and to confront Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. Despite all of Moses' excuses why he wasn't the right person for the job, he finally does what God tells him to do, and he meets his brother Aaron, and they go to the elders of the people and explain what God had said to him. So then Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh, and they ask him to let the Israelites go into the wilderness for three days to worship God. As you can imagine, Pharaoh wasn't on board with this plan at all. And so he tells Moses, I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. So he ordered them to get back to work. And then he gave orders to his slave drivers not to supply the Israelites with the straw to help them make their bricks. Now, they were still to order them to find their own straw and still meet their daily quota. Well, this made the work even harder. And when the Israelites failed to meet their quota, the slave drivers would beat them. 
This angered the Israelites who confronted Moses and Aaron, saying to them, May the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Well, Moses is caught between a rock and a hard place. He's done what God has asked him to do, and yet God hasn't brought deliverance yet to his people. And so now the people are angry with him for showing back up and making their misery even more miserable. This leads Moses to talk with God, questioning why God had sent him there in the first place. But God then tells Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. God essentially tells Moses it's showtime, that he will witness what's going to happen to Pharaoh. God says he will use his mighty hand to force Pharaoh to release his grip on God's people. And God echoes this twice, which is pretty significant because his mighty hand will deliver the Israelites as he had stated before when he spoke to Moses at Horeb. In fact, God had told him this in Exodus three nineteen and 20. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. Essentially, God is going to arm wrestle Pharaoh. And while Pharaoh will put up a good fight, resisting Moses' demand to let the Israelites go time and again, the most powerful man in Egypt will see God's awesome powers displayed through various signs and plagues and will eventually admit defeat. This will happen in plain sight of everyone, to the Egyptians and to the Israelites. And Pharaoh is correct. He doesn't know the Lord, but he will come to know the Lord through what God will do. You see, God reveals his holy name to Moses and all of Israel as Yahweh. They've known him as the Lord in Hebrew Adonai, or in descriptive terms like God Almighty or El Shaddai. But now God reveals his name, Yahweh, which simply means to be or is. In other words, God is not a past tense God who only spoke to their forefathers. He's presently with them now, and he is going to act. Scripture says that he's remembered his promise to Abraham, but truth is he's never even forgotten it. This remembrance means that God is now acting on his promise, that he will use his mighty hand to rescue them, and they will all be witnesses of his mighty power. In fact, he instructs Moses to tell them, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, 
and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord Yahweh. God tells Israel that his mighty hand will bring both judgment and grace. His judgment will be upon the Egyptians who oppressed them, and his grace will lead the Israelites out of slavery, claiming them as his very own. His acts will make known to them that he is Yahweh, their God, alive and present with them now, the same God of their forefathers who keeps his promises. You see, when we take a look at God's mighty hand in Scripture, we find that it always involves both judgment and grace. The Hebrew word for mighty means strong, powerful, firm, and hard. You know, we often speak of the fear of the Lord in terms of reverence, but it's also to be taken literally. God's mighty hand inflicts judgment on those who refuse to heed his call. This is evident throughout the Old Testament with Israel's enemies, but it is also evident with Israel too. When they refuse God's call to repent and to turn away from their injustice, God gets angry and disciplines them with his mighty hand. Just look at the stories of the exile of the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. These are a testament to this. But the exile was also meant to lead Israel back to God. Yet at the same time, God's mighty hand is also gracious. He's gracious in judgment, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God doesn't rush to punish or smite anyone. And at the same time, God's mighty hand is often associated with his grace in creation, feeding the hungry, protecting people from harm, being sovereign and in control and in his security of others. In Exodus, God's graciousness extends to an oppressed people who cannot escape their enslavement. And God's judgment of Egypt extends grace to Israel, but it also invites Egypt to receive grace after their judgment because they've witnessed the Lord. Of course, this is consistent with who God is. God pursues us with his mighty hand, extending grace to all who will trust and believe in him. And God extended that same grace to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh refused to accept it, choosing to oppose God with his own power. And that doesn't turn out so great for Pharaoh and for the Egyptians. God keeps his promise to Israel, and he delivers them out of Egypt, parting the waters of the Red Sea with his mighty hand. And this story becomes the story of the Jewish people, celebrated and retold every single Passover Yet for those of us who worship God, revealed in Jesus Christ, we also know that God's mighty hand brings both judgment and grace. Jesus came to show us the Father and called us to repent and to believe the good news. In Jesus, we see the face of Yahweh, the invisible God, who had the fullness of God dwell in Jesus. Jesus reconciled to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. At Passover. You see, Passover becomes a new story for us, a new exodus for all of us, a story of Jesus Christ arm wrestling with Satan, who at first appears to be victorious, but is ultimately defeated by the risen Christ. The good news is that God's mighty hand and judgment do not fall on us as it should. 
Instead, Jesus takes this judgment on the cross for us. As God told Moses to say to Israel, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. So God's mighty hand of grace lies in the judgment of himself. His own arms stretched out on the cross for the deliverance of us all. You see, the God of the Exodus, the God of the past, is Yahweh, who is not just the God of our forefathers, but also the God who is present with us now. And he still delivers us from the slavery of sin and of death, of addiction and of greed, of arrogance and selfishness, of power and the love of riches, and of hatred and vengeance. God's mighty hand still delivers those who submit to his lordship. In fact, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 verse 6, Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You know, it reminds me of a country song I used to hear on the radio growing up by a singer named Holly Dunn, and she titled the song, Daddy's Hands. And the chorus says this, Daddy's hands were soft and kind when I was crying. Daddy's hands were hard as steel when I'd done wrong. Daddy's hands weren't always gentle, but I've come to understand there was always Love in daddy's hands. You see, it's Jesus who tells us that his father is our father too. In fact, he calls God Abba, which in Aramaic Aramaic is an intimate word uh, closely associated with us calling our father daddy. Daddy's hands are kind, soft when we cry, but they can also be hard as steel when we've done wrong But the truth is, is that daddy's mighty hands, hands that hold both judgment and grace, well, there's always love in those hands. It's a love that calls us from wrongdoing and a love that forgives and delivers us from everything that holds us captive. In fact, Jesus reminds us of his hands when he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that we are in good hands. We serve an awesome God whose hands have the power to hold us firmly in the grip of his grace. So may we find comfort in the mighty hands of our Father and Lord, especially when life spins out of control. And may we also give praise for Daddy's mighty hands of judgment and grace that hold us, correct us, and lead us into His love and His light. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.